Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope it's a payday for you. And maybe it is for you weekly and bi-weekly wage earners. Hope you get enough money to get out and go do some cool stuff this weekend. Spend some time with the friends and family. You know, we had a busy day yesterday and uh, spent some time away from the page, uh, the website, but uh, got back down to South Mississippi. I tell you this, uh, I can't go to South Mississippi without getting some wards. And I, I did. Yeah, took, took the bride to the hometown wards there in Columbia Miss. I don't know what we would do if we weren't raised on Ward's hamburgers. Anytime I get south, I got to go. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a delicacy to me. And so I hope that you guys uh, that live down there get the chance to enjoy that. But uh, uh, some cold weather in our region these days and uh, already getting the uh, snow pictures on the uh, book of face from many people. So be careful out there on the roads, kids. Hopefully it's a weekend you can just kind of chill. You know, watch some basketball. How about that? Yeah, that'd be great. And, uh, of course... Mississippi State official visitors. Uh, we've got several that are leaving campus today. Several more arriving today. We'll do our best to catch up with everybody. Uh, sometimes that's a moving target with these college kids. It's one thing the high school kids a little different, you know. But the, the the college kids sometimes a little more difficult. They've already been through this process. It's not a big deal to them. Uh, we always like to get reaction from them about their visit and their commitment and things of that nature because we want you guys to get to know them a little bit, right? I mean, it's not, there's something better than that official visit story when a kid comes in and finds his tribe, right? And they say, you know what, hey, this is where I want to be. You love reading those stories. And so we'll be working through those uh, today. already got a few texts out. Uh, most everybody will leave in the afternoon hours. And so we'll do our best to catch up. We do uh, expect a commitment or two. In the next day or so. Had one yesterday. We're going to talk about that in the first segment of the show. And then, uh, guys, I mean, it's crazy. Think about this. Uh, classes start on the, the 16th. And you still have a little wiggle room with the drop-add dates the following week. And so we expect, again, a very busy weekend on campus this weekend. And I think the results of this weekend will decide how big the visit group is next weekend. One of the things that I was told... And I discussed this on our, our website many times. When Jeff Levy emerged as a priority candidate for the Mississippi State head coaching job, one of the things that I was told is one of the drawing cards was that Levy really felt that he could flip this roster rather quickly. And it appears that is unfolding as projected. Uh, tons, tons, and tons of transfer prospects. And here's the thing, too. If you can't get them to campus, you're not going to sign them. That's just the reality of life. High school may be a little bit different. It's still a rarity. But when it comes to these transfer guys, I mean, they want to come in, meet their coaches, uh, see the town, see the player amenities. Many of them uh, have never been on a Mississippi State campus before. And so if you don't get them in, you can't get them signed. This staff doing a tremendous job getting guys on campus. You know, as I mentioned the other day, we had uh, seven confirmed visitors, and then that list pretty much doubled over the course of the next few hours. And so, again, we, working through this, we had some guys we were expecting that ultimately visited elsewhere. It's a, it's a moving target. It is. And this whole transfer portal thing is, is so different because things move at such a frenetic pace. You know, high school is a little more regimented, I guess you could say. You know, guys – you know, take unofficial visits throughout the year. They come to camp. You kind of get to know them a little bit. You establish a bit of a relationship. And so when you call, it's not maybe the intrusion that it is, 
you know, for a college kid. But uh, we've had several portal guys this year I've been able to, to interview shortly after getting an offer from Mississippi State. They're happy to get the press, right, because they say, hey, I want to get my name out there and let people know you know, kind of what's going on with me. But there are others out there just like, you know what, I, you know, I've already done all this before. I'm just going to make a business-type decision, uh, pick a school and transfer, and uh, they don't feel they need the press. But um, we'll stay after them best we can. Uh, so look for full coverage on that uh, uh, today and tomorrow, and then, of course, on Sunday. So it'll be a busy stretch for us over at Gene's page, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Hey, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. Man, I love Bulldog Burger Company. You should as well. You probably already do. You probably already have a raving love affair with Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. We want to make the world a more beautiful place. Step one in that process, getting some good rest. Number two, Spring rolls, yeah. And then have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. That's one of the things to think about, too. It's like uh, you, know, you can get hamburgers almost anywhere, but nobody does it better than Bulldog Burger Company. And uh, what a great menu. You know, like you can just start with the Bulldog. Like if you say, Steve, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of a conservative person. I don't, I don't want to get out there and walk on the wild side a little bit. The Bulldog will, will cure what ails you. But if you want to get out there and experiment a little bit, and I encourage you to do so, I think you deserve some good taste in your life. Maybe get the Bryant. Maybe get the Pimentology Ed Bacon. I mean, that's that's the old Boneyard classic. Uh, maybe get those Sloppy Joe sliders. And if you're not if you're not feeling a burger today, let's get that BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. I'm not judging either way. But I'm from South Mississippi. I like to get that grilled salad and uh, you know douse it with ranch dressing. And uh, I, I never finish it. The portion is so some incredibly substantial. And get that uh, bread pudding to go or that chocolate shake. You know, I'm an advocate for dessert to go. I think that's something we should normalize in our society. Bulldog Burger Company does such a great job. Great food, a great price, great atmosphere. You're not going to do any better than Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, last night uh, we were hanging with some friends at uh, our friends uh, Chad and Ashley Jones uh, down in Brandon. As the uh, first episode of the new season of Swamp People came out, and uh, really big fan of the Joneses, even if they weren't, even if Ashley wasn't on TV, I'd be a fan. And uh, it's cool to have good friends, and uh, they have become some of our better friends here as of late. And in the middle of all of that, uh, we had a commitment last night. Kevin Coleman, wide receiver from Louisville. Now he entered the portal back on the second, commits to Mississippi State on the fourth. He is a native of St. Louis, Missouri. Now, this is a guy, too, that, hey, highly decorated player coming out of high school. I don't expect – let me just go ahead and tell you right now. Because I've been in the rankings game before, I have some input these days, but I'm not the person that says, yeah, push this button. Uh, he was a 96 out of high school. I don't think he maintains that because we get two years of college production to work with. But he's been a good player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but this is a guy that makes your football team better. And not to mention, people forget, man. I mean, Louisville was ranked 15th in the country. You know, down the stretch, they lose the bowl game. But uh, in 2022, Kevin Lamar Coleman, 33 receptions, 510 yards, averaged 15.5 yards a reception, three touchdowns, a long of 85, had one carry for a loss of one yard. This past year, 
a little bit of a dip in production. 26 receptions, 362 yards, uh, 13.9 yards per reception, a couple touchdowns, along a 58. Six carries this year for 25 yards. Uh, and so, yeah, do, do I expect him to come down from a 96? Absolutely, I do. And, and people, people are going to freak out, right, even if he gets like a 90. People are going to be like, oh, but Steve, you know, they're, they're downgrading our kids. You got two years of college production to, to judge here. And so I, I think what you're going to see, just as Cam Ball went way up, you know, I think you're going to see this guy go down a little bit. But um, that does not impact who he is as a player. And uh, I'm eager to see what Chad Bumpus will do with him. Is anybody having a better recruiting season than Chad Bumpus? I mean, honestly, kind of say it for what it is. You talk about a guy that's flipping his, his room. It's Chad Bumpus. Now, that's the reason you brought Chad to town, right? Not just because of the fact that Chad Bumpus was a very prolific receiver at Mississippi State. Not just because he's from Tupelo. Not because we like Chad. You bring Chad in here to do a job. This is not the Boy Scouts. It's not a personality contest. You want guys that are going to get you production. And uh, that wide receiver room had some ups and downs last year. And so Chad's like, hey, I got to go out here and get some dudes. And he's getting some dudes. Not just from the high school ranks. It'd be one thing, okay, you look at J.J. Harrell and you look at Stonker Burnside. And you look at that and say, okay, well, these are Mississippi guys. These are guys that uh, he probably knows some of their coaches and some of the, the people around them remember Chad as a receiver, know how prolific he is. And, and again, Chad is such a gregarious, uh, very articulate person. There are a lot of moms that are going to sit across the table in their living rooms and they're going to hear Chad Bumpus speak and say, hey, that's what I want my son to grow up to be, right? And so it makes sense that he would do a good job recruiting in the high school ranks. But then you look at seeing what he's doing here in the portal, uh, it's pretty significant. It absolutely is. And uh, speaking of Stonka of Burnside, you know, he announced his decision at the Under Armour All-American game. No real surprise to us. Of course, there were some people, you know, uh, on the Ole Miss side of things that, uh, and you never know what people are hearing. I'm not judging the Ole Miss media. It seems like anytime I ever say anything, if I don't just say something glowing about Ole Miss, oh, Steve's a hater. Well, I am. I'll admit that. But, uh, you, you know, everybody is relying on sources when it comes to matters like this. And, and Burnside wasn't doing a lot of talking. Uh, we respected that. You know, when he put out that his parents really didn't want him to do a lot of uh, media in advance of his decision, went down to Mississippi Alabama All-Star Game, got some pictures of him, spoke with him briefly, but we, I didn't interview him, you know. We're going to respect that. Uh, but what a big day for Mississippi State. Not just the fact, and it's kind of a rarity, to be honest with you, that you see an undeclared prospect announced for Mississippi State at a national All-Star Game. I think Deontay Anderson is the only one that I can remember. And we didn't play the game then. It was COVID, right? So they just had the broadcast. And he announced for us, of course, he had already signed, as had Burnside. He had already signed with us. But, um, and so, yeah, we had, some, uh, we had some advanced knowledge of that. But, uh, you know, we kind of let you guys know we felt good about it. Uh, but now it's done. And uh, I thought Stalker handled it well. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this young receiver group kind of matures together. But Burnside wasn't the only highlight of the game for us, right? Mario Craver, a couple receptions, a 51-yard touchdown catch and run. Absolutely outstanding. And, and so it's like, hey, we, we got a couple young guys here. Yeah, but here's the deal, too. Michael Van Buren, your quarterback, was the starter in the game for Team Ice. And you look up after one quarter, guys, it's 24-3. to 
He lit it up. When's the most valuable player honor? And I've already made my uh, my comments known, right, to some people at 247. I'm like, hey, we have not changed this kid's rating since November of 22 when he was downgraded to an 89. And he has maintained an 89 all the way through the process. And then he shows up at this national all-star game, some of the best athletes in the country, and wins the most valuable player honor. And it wasn't one of those situations you look at and say it was kind of fluky. No, not, not at all. The kid looked in command. He made big throws. At times changed his arm slot because uh, that's what the situation dictated. And how cool is it that Michael Van Buren, Mario Craver, and Sanka Burnside get to play on the same team, which ultimately becomes the winning team in the Under Armour Classic? That, that's amazing. And I, I begin to think about, you know, what the ramifications of that are. You know, how significant is something like that? And so a lot of people in the state of Mississippi weren't sure what was going to happen with Stonka Burnside. I think all of them messaged me and said, hey, Steve, I think it's going to be Ole Miss. And let, let me tell you this. There was no empirical evidence to suggest that. That's really about our own insecurity. And we expect, you know, well, well, Ole Miss is doing well in the portal or whatever. And so it's like, you know, we're not going to get anything for us. I mean, that, that's how some people live and operate. But Stonka commits to us. That's huge. Craver has the big play, has a couple of nice plays, one significant where he just absolutely outraced everybody in the end zone. And then Michael Van Buren up there on the stage getting the MVP. So a lot of people watched for the Stonka commitment. And before the Stonka commitment happened, just at halftime, they got this to kind of get a sneak peek on this class and what they're going to mean for Mississippi State moving forward. I don't know that the university or media relations or anybody involved could have generated more juice than that game did for Mississippi State. We talk about we always need something to feel good about. We need something to cheer for. And we've had some guys in the past have gone in these all-star games and hadn't done much. I mean, you're happy they're there. And it's one of those things, too, that I always tell people, like, like the Mississippi-Alabama all-star game. I love that game. I love the fact that we take the best players in Mississippi – Despite, despite the fact that Alabama's got like two, two and a half million more people than us, we go play against those guys. And I want to win that game. I do. I'm a Mississippi guy. And I want to see us win. And there are sometimes that guys will flash in that Mississippi-Alabama all-star game and people are like, hey, they should move up in the rankings. I've always kind of downplayed an all-star game between like state all-star games. All, all star, all state team, excuse me, uh, because of the fact. I mean, the rules of the game, the rules of engagement are so much different. It's not even real football at times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you see a guy in practices that uh, maybe you haven't seen before, and you get a really good sense of how they move and how athletic they are and how big they are, it makes sense they get a little bump in the rankings. And you see it every year. I mean, we saw it this year, of course. You had a handful of guys like you know Fat Clark and. Um, and others, T.J. Lockhart, it moved up as they should have. But when you look at a national all-star game, and I've covered them all. I say them all. I, I don't guess I've done the Semper Fidelis, but uh, I've covered those games before. I've, I've been there throughout the week and seen the drills and the skills and all that kind of stuff. And so you, you get it. And I remember one particular year. It was the year we had Tyler Russell and, and Chris Garrett uh, and Clay Moore. And, and, I, and I loved all three of those guys. Absolutely did. 
And so I, I'm going up there thinking, hey, our, our kids are undervalued. Our, our, our recruits in Mississippi's quarterbacks are undervalued. And then the very first day of Under Armour practices, I got to see Matt Barkley throw the football. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. And that's what happens Like when you expand your scope and your view of things. Like if, if all you ever do is go see players in the Golden Triangle, then you're going to think, hey, these guys are undervalued. Because you don't have anything to compare them to. Because all you see is what you see. You know, it's like, oh, I went and saw Louisville. They're great. I went and saw Columbus. I went and saw Starville. I went and saw West Point. Hey, it's great high school football. It doesn't necessarily mean they're national-level prospects. I think Conan Daniels is undervalued, to be quite honest with you. Just kind of throwing that out there. Even though he went to Florida, and I didn't think he would when he committed. I was wrong. I admit it. But I love that kid's game. I don't think he's a product of the system. I think he is a dude, right? I think he is a national-level recruit. And I don't know that he was properly evaluated. It's just my personal opinion. But here's what happens. With that in The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. In mind, when you look at the Under Armour game, it just as Matt Barkley kind of suggested to me, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about these guys. Maybe they are evaluated properly. When you see a guy like Michael Van Buren on the same stage, the same game, go out there and play as well as he did, you can't ignore that. You simply can't. It'd be one thing, you know, if it was a defensive back that had a couple of picks. And, and listen, that's still a big thing. But he was the quarterback. And, and it's so difficult to put any semblance of offense together in an all-star game because you've only got a handful of practices to put a cohesive unit together on the offensive line. you got to get the, the receivers and the, and the quarterbacks on the same page but, guys, let's be honest. If you watch the Under Armour game, as Neil Stopchinski, who works for us, pointed out, the only time that either team had any rhythm on offense is when Michael Van Buren was under center. And so you can't ignore that. And so, of course, uh, you know, I have said for weeks that 247 has undervalued Michael Van Buren, and my hope is he gets his just due now. Uh, of course, uh, on three, dropped them in the rankings. ESPN's kind of had it right from the beginning, to be honest with you. Uh, Rivals has done a good job with them, too. But my hope is, here's the thing. Now that everybody, it's not like that all of a sudden, you know, 247 went and watched Michael Van Buren play a high school game on a Thursday night or something. It's a national broadcast. Some of the best players in the country. And everybody saw it. ESPN broadcast the game. And they can sit back and say, hey, you know what? We may be terrible most of the time, but we got this right. And they did. They absolutely did. And so my hope is now that everybody, everybody has seen it. And everybody understands the parameters around an all-star game and how difficult it is to really shine in an all-star game. And he did it. And so I think it's important that he gets rewarded for that. I think that's an important aspect of it. You know, it's like... We save a final update in the rankings because everybody wants to have a chance to see the national evaluators want a chance to see these guys in an all-star game format because it's typically the best players 
um, you know, in the country, right? Typically. I mean, not always, but typically. And so you save the final update uh, for, you know, late January before NIFL signing day. And so we got some guys that need to move up, and Michael Van Buren's one of them. So I have voiced my concerns and my thoughts. And uh, to be honest with you, it shouldn't be necessary, right? I mean, if you watch that game, you shouldn't need Steve Robertson to text you and say, hey, what about this Van Buren kid, right? Uh, so I do expect to see some upper mobility with him. It's interesting, though, like a, one of the conversations we've had as of late is, um, you know, on our boards, is, of course, everybody talks about 247 rankings. So it's like, oh, we're always getting screwed because some people kind of equate the composite to think that we control everything with the composite, which we don't. You know, it's the composite is all four major networks, kind of an average median. But uh, I checked this morning, Mississippi State, uh, 27th with rivals and uh, on three and 29th, 247. I mean, so, you know, we're basically right there together. And so uh, I've always thought that the composite, even though that um, there's a lot of ebb and flow with that thing, because sometimes like, you know, somebody will put a lazy evaluation and sometimes it's the evaluators in 247 and it negatively impacts the composite. But I think that's a good consensus opinion. And so it'd be one thing like if, if, if uh, you know, rivals had us ranked 25th and then 247 had us 40th. But, you know, when we're right there together, I think that's where you feel like, okay, this is probably pretty close to what it should be. But I still think there are some players in there, and MVB being one of them, uh, that needs to move up. And I think when you look at where we are right now and the circumstances that Jeff Levy and this staff have had to overcome and the fact that we are a consensus top 30 recruiting class right now is absolutely remarkable. And we're not done, you know, and, and like, like I, I just sent a request in this morning, you know, of course, uh, you know, Brylin Lanier, Brylin Lanier uh, has not been evaluated yet. And so we've made that request. And uh, in addition to that, you, know, you hadn't got a, a ranking on Coleman. So those guys are on the commitment list but have not been awarded a point total yet. So they don't, they don't have a ranking for this recruiting class. So your 29th now, I guess your composite ranking is 29th. Uh, but um, there's a lot of changes, you know, that, that got to take place. You got to get some guys evaluated. You know, you got to get some guys done. Like Kevin Coleman, no transfer ranking. Zach Haynes, no transfer ranking. Made those requests today. And, uh, you know, Brian Lanier, let, let me see here. Maybe we've got Lanier done. Let me look and see here. Not yet. Not yet. So, yeah, I, I sent that – we do have him, 85. I don't agree with that, but uh, at least we've got him evaluated now. Uh, so, Brian Lanier is done. Uh, it looks like it's kind of the textbook, 85. This, I, I just – I absolutely don't agree with that. And, and I'll send the text. But it is what it is, right? Um, you know, the JUCO rank, it's one of those things, too, that uh, you talk about a moving target, you know. But um, at the end of the day, it's always somebody's opinion. So – uh, what can we expect next? I mean, you know, yeah, we expect business to pick up here. Again, you know, you've got 11 days before uh, school starts, you know, and so uh, some cool things will happen between now and then. But as it stands today, Mississippi State currently with 12 transfers. And uh, we do expect to get some news on Stone Blanton uh, very, very soon. I think that's going to be a positive development for Mississippi State. And when you think about our needs as a program, our needs as a defense, I think it's a very significant uh, get for us. If that goes as we expect it to go, but as it stands now, you got uh, 21 officially announced signees, 
and then the 12 transfers. So right now it's a 33-man class, and then you throw in Frisco and Lanier, you're up to 35. And, uh, guys, you only have 85 scholarships, and you're still going to add some more players. So basically about half of the roster is going to be new players. And, again, that kind of plays into the whole thing about, well, you know, hey, we need to have some measured expectations next year. I mean, you're implementing two new systems on both sides of the football with a bunch of new players. Uh, so somebody's going to have to rise and be the bell cow here for us. Uh, but uh, I think what we're going to see here is Mississippi State obviously being very dependent on the portal. You've already seen that with a dozen transfers. Uh, how many could there be? Well, you, you, you need to get an edge. You need to get a linebacker. You need to get a couple DBs. You know, so 15-plus, yeah, that's pretty significant too. Uh, would, would be a tremendous influx of new players for Mississippi State. And this is the world in which we live in. And, of course, after a coaching change, you know, you have some guys go in the portal. We did have uh, one late defection, Jonathan Davis, no, not of Corn, Jonathan Davis of Lawrence County, uh, went in the portal, uh, one of the last to do it. Uh, from Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, too, you know, we talk about, well, the rules are this. You know, the, the, the portal window is closed. But what if somebody just pops up here at the end and says, well, wait a minute, you know, I didn't get an opportunity. You know, they, of course, they allow a little, uh, you know, fluctuation for those teams that have ball games over the weekend. But uh, what's to say there's not some district court judge out there that's going to come up and say, oh, no, they should be able to transfer now. You know, everything that's happened now, uh, has really, in many respects, been a negative for teams. There's been a lot of positive things that have happened for players. But when you think about coaches, you think about fans, uh, as I've mentioned to you guys before, how do you buy a jersey? Like, how do you go buy a jersey for your kid? Because it's going to change tomorrow, right? Or the next semester. I mean, things can always change. And so uh, the desire to simply cheer for Mississippi State as a program uh, means more than ever, more so than it does for a player, right? You may have a favorite player, but it's one of those situations nowadays where you just can't get too attached because things change so quickly. But, uh, yeah, as it stands today, Mississippi State has had all their players that were seeking a transfer announce their declaration to go into the portal. Uh, we did report that first yesterday. Jonathan Davis was expected to go in. Uh, he did inquire uh, just before the deadline – and the school has up to 48 hours to put them in. Uh, that's been taking place. That's taken care of. And so what's interesting, too, we had less players transfer this year than we did last year. Now, of course, we'll still have the spring, and you're going to have some other guys, of course, that will uh, that'll show up in the summer. So there will be some more ebb and flow. You're going to have more players leave. And, of course, there's going to be people – there's going to be a, um, you know, the gnashing of teeth in the Facebook groups – you know, when people say, hey, well, we're losing all these kids, and they're going to forget the fact that we just brought in, you know, 40-plus players. You know, we've got to make room. There's only 85 scholarships to work with. That's the reality of that. And so I think it's important to understand while your roster is still evolving, there are some more adjustments that will be made post-spring. Uh, the window opens up back in, in April for 15 days. You get 45 days now to transfer without rare exception. When you make a coaching change, the portal already opens up. But uh, ideally, you get 30 days after the fall semester and then 15 days in the spring uh, to declare your intention to transfer. But uh, <clears throat> that's where we are. And, of course, new names just kind of populating out there as, uh, 
is they're being processed. I mean, there have been some situations here uh, that uh, guys have gone in before the holidays and then they got 48 hours, and so they don't count the holiday and they don't count, you know. So it's like some guys announce their declaration and don't get officially entered into the portal for like four days, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's a matter of just somebody clicking a button, right? I mean, it's not something that takes all day. But uh, there's some schools out there just kind of playing, you know, taking these kids hostage. You know, it's just – it's silly. But um, I guess there's some butthurt when guys leave. I I commend our people at Mississippi State. You know, as soon as as we find out a guy's about to go in the portal, it's like, boom, there it is, you know. Uh, And and that's the way it should be, right? I mean, they want to leave, go ahead and and, um, and assist them in that endeavor and get it done. I mean, you know, the rules are the rules, right? Until some judge changes them. But you understand my point. It's like, hey, what's the point in holding this kid hostage and making him wait 48 more hours? And in some cases, longer than that, because it's 48 hours of the work week. You know, kid may go in there Friday night and say, hey, I want to go in. Well, the next thing you know, Monday's a holiday. You, you, you kind of get what I'm saying. I mean, it's a little silliness. It's a little, little silly. Uh, but the reality of it is, State doing a good job flipping this roster. Uh, now it's going to be about, hey, can we, can we meld this thing together? And that's what the spring is for. And Levy mentioned that you really want your team to be here for the spring. You may have one or two guys that come in post-spring, uh, but you don't expect those guys to come in and really be impact players I mean, because they don't have the benefit of the spring meetings and practice sessions and things like that. Of course, there are some special athletes that could just kind of show up and, and plug and play, but that's a, that's a rarity. It really is. Uh, but uh, I like where things are headed right now. And, again, we'll hopefully get some more commitments in the next couple of days uh, out of these transfer portal prospects. But I, as it stands today, I think Mississippi State is probably done with high school players unless we get a big surprise from Daniel Hill. And the latest chatter is uh, Alabama for him, and he's supposed to announce uh, Saturday uh, during the All-Star game, his respective All-Star game. But uh, I think it would be a bit of a surprise right now. And uh, not a week ago, I didn't believe that. I didn't believe that. But industry sources, people that I have spoke to, uh, believe that it is going to be Alabama for Daniel Hill. And I think in many respects that will close out your, your high school recruiting efforts for the 2024 class. Unless something changes, I think the rest of the way it's going to be portal prospects. I mean, of course, Bar- you know, Brian Lanier popped up here late. Uh, you take him. But uh, I think you know the last handful of spots are going to boil down to transfer prospect- prospects out of the portal. And that's what needed to happen. All right, time for today's top 10 list, as always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Blair is a guy that's been doing this 22 years. You don't stay in any industry 20-plus years by accident. you got to get things done because coffee's for clothes. You know the deal. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. We've had several Boneyard listeners over the years that have closed with Blair. And maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. Maybe you're looking to relocate. I don't know your needs. But when it comes time to entrust your mortgage, you need to learn to listen to a mortgage professional like Blair Chandler. He's a bulldog, got a place here, season ticket holder, multiple sports. I believe in keeping business in the family as best we can. And here's the thing, too. You don't want to do business with Blair just because he's a bulldog. He's a guy that gets things done, and he just happens to be a bulldog. Reach out and let him know today what your needs are. He can help you navigate through it. That's closewithblair.com. All right, it's time to make you feel old. I don't know how you feel. 
I don't know how you feel today. It's Friday. I feel good. I do. I'm glad to be home. Uh, we got some work ahead of us, obviously. Uh, you know, we got some visitors to call and things like that. That's all part of the gig, man. But uh, here's the deal. I'm going to give you a list of, uh, of rock songs that are turning 30 this year. 30. And some of them you still listen to. Some of them will have these feelings of nostalgia. But many of these songs are still on many of your playlists. And they're 30. Not only are they old enough to buy beer and vote, they're old enough to get the, their automobile insurance decreased. There's a lot to it, man. So here we go. Top 10 rock songs turning 30. Uh, no Nirvana or Green Day on the list. Number 10, and I had to slip this one in, even though it, it was kind of it's kind of a genre bender in many respects. We had the self-titled Molly Crew album come out. The debut single with John Karabi on vocals. It's Hooligans Holiday, number 10. Got new music from Motley in 2024. Tommy Lee says it's not a full album. They'll release a few singles, and we'll see how things go. Uh, we do expect that uh, Motley will continue to write new music. There was a time we thought they were done. Uh, like Kiss and everybody else. It's like, no, no, no. I mean, I guess it's one of those deals. It's like, uh, you know, the only thing better than $25 million is $30 million, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'm eager to hear what the John 5 stuff sounds like. But uh, kind of an unpopular take here. As a true Motley fan, I love the self-titled album with John Karabi. I do. I think musically it's one of Crew's best. And people are like, oh, it's no Crew without Vince. Okay. Maybe they should have renamed the band. But, um, you know, I don't know why you walk away from your own legacy. I mean, there have been times, of course, Tommy has left the band. You had Randy Castilla sitting in on drums. Uh, Nicky is the only guy that has not departed the band. Of course, uh, Mick recently retired, and uh, depending who you listen to, could have been a forced retirement. I don't know. But I know this, that uh, last year, or 2022, uh, Mick Myers made $8 million to stay home. That's good work if you can get it. So that's the only, like, hair song that we have on our list today. Because, you know, early to mid-'90s was, uh, was grunge. And this was kind of like the end of it. This was like we were beginning to kind of – you know, push towards the end of the grunge movement. But uh, number nine for me, a great track fronted by a pair of female vocalists, great harmonies. It's Veruca Salt's Seether. Because you can't fight the Seether. Volcano Girls is a great track too. But that came later. That was the next album. But our first, our first, probably our gateway track, the Veruca Salt, of course, Veruca Salt, named after a uh, character in the Willy Wonka factory. Was Seether, great track. Number eight, a band that I absolutely loved. I had a chance to see them live at Rock, Oklahoma a couple years ago, and they got rained out. So I didn't get to see them. It's uh, live. And uh, many of you know that debut album, Mental Jewelry. But to me, the one that is the best album is Throwing Copper. And that's when they kind of went from being, you know, opening acts to being headliners, playing in clubs. They were a phenomenal, phenomenal band. Still out there playing, too. You can go watch them. But it's the great track, I Alone. Because I Alone love you. It's true. It's true. All right, number seven, a song that caused a little controversy. And, and you would think if it was released today, it may even be more critically acclaimed. But there was some shock value in this track. And there always has been with Trent Reznor with Nine Inch Nails. But uh, the song, Closer. And uh, this is a, it's a family show, so I won't, uh, I won't sing it for you. 
But he talks about, um, I want to do something to you like an animal because you give me closer to God. You know, and so there, there was a lot of controversy about the lyrical content, about how could he be so uh, demonstrative and direct and forward with all this stuff. But closer, one of the um, signature songs of Nine Inch Nails. I, I, w- I would probably say Head Like a Hole is probably the one. It's probably the one. Again, that was our gateway track. Maybe we do a top ten list of gateway tracks. Roy, put that on the list. Maybe we'll do a gateway track. Like Maybe we'll do a week of that. Our gateway tracks for bands from different eras. It's true. All right, number six. Love this band from the very first time I heard them. Um, I think the first song, my gateway track to Oasis, was uh, Supersonic. I think that's correct. Went out and bought the CD and... uh, we're going to go with Live Forever is our number six track. If you haven't watched that Oasis documentary on Netflix and you're a music fan, I encourage you to watch it. Some very interesting facts and uh, earlier footage from them. Of course, Oasis for a while where it was considered the biggest band in the world. And uh, you know, Noam, Noam, Liam and Noel couldn't get along. And so Oasis went kaput. You know. And remember when... Um, I guess it was uh, Noel that was married to Patsy Kensett for a while. That was kind of a power couple. And some of you will have to go Google her. But uh, she was the it girl for a while. All right, number five. One of the saddest songs, probably in my lifetime, uh, written by Lane Staley of Allison Chains. And uh, it is one of these songs because of his death that really resonates well with Allison Chains fans. To this day, when Alice in Chains performs, they dedicate this song to the memory of Lane Staley, and now, of course, uh, you know Randy Starr as well. But um, there's footage. You know, they they play the song "Nutshell" from Jar of Flies, and uh, it is one of those songs too that uh, is so deeply emotional. And for a guy like Lane Staley that had so many demons to deal with, it's a very vulnerable look at his life and his mindset. That's the title, Nutshell. It's like, this is how I feel in a nutshell. So that's Nutshell. There's nothing about nuts, you know, whether it be you know, tree nuts or ground nuts, whatever. None, none of that, there's no nuts in the story. But it's basically, you know, a bit of a euphemism for like, hey, this is how I feel. And it's very sad in many respects. And uh, it is a very powerful song. And a lot of it was about his own struggle with fame. You know, he was a guy too that just wanted to get out there and rock and have a good time. And a little did you know that Alice in Chains would be uh, one of the biggest bands of the 90s. That Dirt album, to this day, holds up. If you're unfamiliar with it, you should be. You know, when, you, when your parents talk about grunge, even though I don't think Alice in Chains was really a grunge band, even the tuning, the drop D tuning was similar, they were really more of a rock band. They were, they were around before grunge was. Alice in Chains facelift, and it was a phenomenal record. And our gateway track to them was Man in a Box. And we loved it. We weren't sure what we were listening to, but we knew they were different. But Nutshell, really, really sad track. And Jar of Flies, I remember the very first time that I heard it, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this album, but it, it was a different side of them. And I remember buying that record at Camelot Music there in Hattiesburg and uh, going home thinking, you know what, there's a little more depth to these guys than I realized. All right, number four, it's Stone Temple Pilots, and this is arguably my favorite Stone Temple Pilots song. And we could go a lot of different directions here, but this is on my travel playlist. 
It's interstate love song. You know, leaving on a southern trail, man. That's usually what we are, right? We're trying to get home. Uh, of course, Scott Wawa no longer with us. Scott's a guy that uh, lived a very, very tragic life. They said the only time he was happy was on stage. He could escape from all of his problems. Guy that struggled with addiction, many other issues, depression. He was just uh, pretty much a reckless person in many respects. But um, doesn't mean we can't go back and enjoy the music. And uh, this is more of an up-tempo, you know, kind of a happier song. Absolutely like it. All right, number three. I remember the very first time I heard this song. There's some songs like Welcome to the Jungle for me. I was awake watching MTV after a night out at uh, North Park Mall. And in the middle of the night, Guns N' Roses played. Like the, the, this, It was like 2 in the morning. They played it on MTV. And I was like, who is this? Right? You go out and buy the Appetite for Destruction cassette the very next day. Things exploded from there. But this is another one of those songs, and maybe the band didn't have the same critical acclaim as Guns N' Roses, but they were huge. And I had a chance to see them with uh, the Goo Goo Dolls and No Doubt. It's uh, Everything Zen from Bush. The very first time I heard it, I remember watching it on MTV, and uh, it shows like the birds at the beginning of the video, and I was like, where are these guys? But who are these guys? And why are they called Bush? But I loved them. Gavin Rossdale is a superstar. I had a chance to see him in Rocklahoma. It was amazing. I've seen them, I guess, three or four times now. And, uh, you know, different versions of the band. But Gavin, of course, is a constant. Every, absolutely love everything. To this day, it holds up. Number two, it's Pearl Jam. The quintessential 90s band. And I remember when this album came out, a lot of people weren't sure what to make of it, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, you went from, you know, the great album, 10, which, of course, was a tribute to Mookie Blaylock, the original name of the band, which is interesting. They got a cease and desist letter from Mookie and his people, so they changed the album to 10, which was Mookie's number. Phenomenal basketball player. And uh, Vitology came out, and everybody was like, okay, you know, we went from 10 to... Um, It's just one of those things, too, like when you watch, when you get through, I think we got more Eddie Vedder a little deeper into the catalog, right? Because people forget, you know, Pearl Jam, of course, kind of rose from the ashes of Mother Love Bone. Um, that, that's an important aspect of this. So I think some of the earlier catalog was really, you know, before they found the new sound, nothing was wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved those earlier Pearl Jam albums. Uh, still do to this day. And... Um, I have talked about this before, you know, when um, when the Versus album came out, which was album number two, and Animal was the lead track on that. Uh, Dan and I went and saw him with Urge Overkill down at UNO Kiefer Lakefront Arena in New Orleans, sitting front row. And uh, I've told my kids many times, you know, before she was your mom, you know, she's front row of Pearl Jam, you know. She's always been a cool chick, you know. And... Uh, but that was a great experience for us. And uh, I remember what's interesting, too, we're on the front row, and um, Eddie Vedder offered me a drink of his wine, and I turned it down because it was in recovery, right? But right down the front row, and he pours a glass of wine, and he's, like, offering to people in the crowd, right to me. I don't regret not drinking it. But uh, that was the night, too, that they got in trouble down at Pat O'Brien's with Jack McDowell of the Chicago White Sox and got arrested. 
Um, a little aside there, but you didn't expect that today. But uh, our track today is Better Man from Pearl Jam. Very, very powerful song. And it's uh, really about a young lady that uh, is in a bad relationship, you know, because uh, she's trapped. You know, and I, I think about a lot of uh, young ladies in our in our state's history, you know, that uh, were in bad relationships, but were largely uneducated and could support themselves and uh, had to stay in bad relationships for survival. One of the things that I've told my girls their entire life is uh, you get a job where you can support yourself and your children if you ever have to leave. Don't ever be in a situation where you have to be dependent on some man out there. And that's not to bash men or anything like that, but um, people shouldn't be forced to choose between their safety and survival. Shouldn't. It's true. That's just kind of how it is. And there are a lot of people out there that stay in relationships because they can't support themselves. And I think that is, that's one of the saddest things in life. And that's really what this song is about, better man. She can't find a better man. Now, she lies and says she's in love with him. Can't find a better man. Number one, though, and you probably know this was coming, if you know me and my musical taste. It's the Pet Shop Boys. No, it's not the Pet Shop Boys, wise guy. No, it's uh, Soundgarden's Black Hole Sun. I almost went Fell on Black Days, which is actually my favorite track from that album, the Super Unknown album, which is phenomenal from start to finish. Like you, you, you listen to Bad Motorfinger, and it's like, wow, these guys are amazing. And they follow it up with Super Unknown, which uh, was, was even better. Even better. Not a single track on that album I don't like. So that's your number one track today that's turning 30. It's nuts to think about that. But yeah, it's better than the alternative, right? We get to celebrate this music and keep on living, right? Uh, I know what Matthew McConaughey tells us, just keep L-I-V-N-G, L-I-V-I-N-G, living. Yeah, right? I blew it, Matt. I'm sorry. But uh, that, that's your list today, your top 10 list. And you never know. Maybe we'll do a gateway week next week. We'll do some rap, some country. You never know. You just never know what we'll do. Uh, thanks so much for your support of the top 10 list. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out to Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can also find our great list on Spotify. We just push it over there for you. So if you're looking for a list while you travel, you work, you run, you work out, whatever, we got you covered. Great list today. Top 30, top 10 songs turning 30 in 2024 on the rock side of things. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. Uh, nobody has a better selection of Mississippi State merchandise than Campus Bookmart. If you can't make the town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. And the order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. And let's be frank with one another. Some of your gift-giving friends didn't get you exactly what you wanted. Rather than cry about it or whine about it or say, woe is me, uh, go log on to campusbookmart.net and take care of that yourself. We're going to be watching baseball here soon. You're going to need that new hoodie, that M over S hoodie. Uh, you're going to be in Humphrey Coliseum now that SEC play is here, and you're going to want that Mississippi State basketball garb. Go take care of it yourself. Let's be grown, folks, about this, right? All right, so uh, we, we took a break while recording the show because Stone Blanton is now committed to Mississippi State. Uh, that's not a surprise to anybody. It is so significant, though, when you consider the losses that we have had. So let's kind of look at the Stone Blanton file here. You guys know that uh, he's a lifelong Mississippi State fan. 
A lot of people were surprised and disappointed when he picked South Carolina. But uh, he's coming home. It's big. It's absolutely big, man. I, I, I'm, I'm jacked about this commitment uh, because of the fact – and listen, you know, people are like, well, you know, he, he was okay at South Carolina. Listen, when you've got a guy that understands the Southeastern Conference and you've got a guy that uh, is from the area that understands the honor and privilege it is to wear the Mississippi State Maroon, and yes, he turned us down one time, but he has, uh, he has righted the wrong and is coming home. I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, so back in 2022, Stone played as a true freshman at South Carolina. Uh, had seven tackles and played in more than enough games to, to kind of negate a redshirt year. So uh, he's spent two years of his eligibility. He now has three years to play two. But seven tackles as a true freshman. Last year, his most extensive action, 52 total tackles, 31 solo, 21 assists, a sack, a forced fumble, a pick, had a touchdown, uh, pass deflection, very active. And it's so interesting, you know, uh, it, there's always a bit of sour grapes when a guy leaves a program. It doesn't matter if it's ours or somebody else's. Everybody's like, but wait a minute. You know, guys, listen, we need linebackers. Stone Blanton is a linebacker with SEC experience. Uh, looking at his numbers here, too. Guys, in the uh, in the bowl game, oh, I guess it's not the bowl game. Yeah, bowl game, he had uh, six tackles against Clemson. It was a 16-7 loss, but that was the game that the Gamecocks simply had to have. Stone stepped up, uh, had a big game, opened up the year with 10 tackles against North Carolina. It was a loss to the Tar Heels, but one of the most productive tacklers and uh, multiple tackles in every game. You'd expect that with the position. But uh, the big uh, pick six coming against Jacksonville State, a pick for 88 yards. Shows some athleticism there for sure. But uh, four tackles against us, but it seemed like he was everywhere kind of impacting the game. Had a big pass deflection, too. Uh, forced to fumble. Just a lot involved. So, yeah, this is a very, very, very good get for us. Uh, he's not going to rank as high as he was as a high school player, and that's perfectly okay. Fine with me. I just know that we needed backers, and we've addressed that. Now, when you go back and look at our class now, we're up to 13 transfers. Interesting how that works. And uh, in the meantime, too, uh, Byron Lanier has been bumped to an 87. Initially an 85, now an 87. Uh, so don't think your good friend and host sitting out there working. Uh, I am. I'm doing what I can to try to get things uh, you know, correct as best I can. Doesn't always work out the way we want. But, um, yeah, an 87. And uh, that makes him, I think, the 24th rated junior college player in the country. Uh, so that's always a good thing, too. And uh, we'll have a reaction from Stone uh, shortly, Rian Young on the phone with him now, but um, kind of looking to see where things uh, stand. We mentioned the 21 signees, and you got some more to go. Obviously, you know, Frisco McGee not officially announced as a signee, and he moved up in the late rankings too to an 89. Brown Lanier now an 87. Uh, Stone Blanton an 88 was a 90 in high school and 88 now, so they dipped him down. We don't have a transfer ranking for Kevin Coleman or Zach Haynes just yet. But now 13 transfers. So, again, this class beginning to take shape. You're beginning to see the roster flip, you know. Um, so we're going to do what we can. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to note, too, that there will be some more commitments, and uh, we're going to do our best uh, to have coverage for you over jeanspage.com. Be, come be a part of that. All right, the Mississippi State women's basketball team dropped the SEC opener last night. And uh, we, we talked about how important 
this game was with a road trip to South Carolina looming. Uh, we didn't take advantage. And it felt like State was chasing the game much of the game. State an 18-14 deficit after one quarter, but then came out really strong in the second quarter, sprang back out into the lead, and then Vanderbilt closes just before the half to lead 36-33. Come out in third quarter, and they just build on the lead, take it out to a six-point lead. State gets um, – you know, a 16-15 difference in the fourth, and we ultimately lose by five. But uh, this is not a good development, but it's not, you know, we're not ready to throw in a towel by any stretch of the imagination. We do expect to be a very good team, be a tournament team. Vanderbilt, kind of a surprise so far this year. They've been really, really good, and a big road win for them. Uh, Vanderbilt 14-1 and on the season with a 1-0 record in the Southeastern Conference. Your Lady Bulldogs dropped a 13-3, and 0-1 in the conference. Uh, Ayana Moore leads Vanderbilt 29 points, 10 of 16 from the floor, played 39 minutes of available 40, uh, 3 of 6 and beyond the arc, 6 of 6 free throws, did a little bit of everything, had a steal, couple turnovers, assists, personal fouls, uh, but uh, she was the straw that stirred the drink, but uh, they, they did get some contributions from their bench. Uh, you know, maybe not a ton, but you had uh, two other players from the starting lineup with nine. But uh, everybody that played scored. Yeah, that's significant. It may just be a basket, but everybody made a positive contribution. Uh, look at the bench points here for them. Just 11 for them, but uh, some quality minutes. Uh, Jerkalia Jordan led Mississippi State with 21 points, uh, 30 minutes of action, 8 of 17 from the floor, 1 of 7 from beyond the arc, just couldn't find it. Uh, five assists on the night, three turnovers, three personal fouls, but six steals. Uh, Debris Chapeau with 15 points. And off the bench, uh, Darian Rogers with a dozen. Uh, so nice contribution there, you know, from her. Jessica Carter held it to six points. Three of seven from the floor. Didn't get to the line. Did pull down 12 rebounds and had three blocks. Did get in a little bit of foul trouble there, but still played 32 minutes of action. But in order for us to win in the Southeastern Conference, we're going to have to have a really good post presence. Uh, and, and that's part of that, too, is getting to the line. You Jessica has proven to be a pretty good free throw shooter. Uh, again, not a lot of opportunities for her from the floor, but um, we're going to need more. Lauren Park Lane has been phenomenal for Mississippi State, to quote Ben Howland, just three points last night. So two of your stars combined for nine points. That's not a great recipe for Mississippi State. Uh, kind of looking through these numbers here, too. 43.1% from the floor. You'd expect to win that game. And 6 of 20 from beyond the arc, I, that's not great. Not great. But uh, 10 of 12 from the line, that's uh, that's good work there if you can get it. But uh, we didn't get to the line enough, especially Jessica Carter. Uh, so it's a loss. And, again, it's, it's one that we didn't need to absorb, but it's not time to panic or throw in the towel uh, we mentioned that road trip to South Carolina. The Bulldogs will be – that'll be this Sunday. It'll be a noon tip uh, from Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, Lady Gamecocks playing exceptionally well, as you expect, uh, under Don Staley. So, Bulldogs staring an 0-2 start in Southeastern Conference play right in the face. Right in the face. Would have been great to win that one last night. And, of course, Vanderbilt kind of exceeding expectations right now. Uh, so maybe the league proves to be a little more difficult than we expected, but we still have a lot of confidence in Coach Purcell uh, and in this team, and uh, Jessica will get it going. We, we, we know this. She's not Tierra McCowan, but she is a very, very, very good player. Now, looking ahead here, 
on the men's side of things. Some big games coming up, as you guys know. I mean, everything else that's happened so far has been great. And as Bill Bounds and I talked about this morning, it totally like he was having some fun out there. I mean, I'm not worried about his mobility. So big game tomorrow morning, 11 a.m., on the road at South Carolina. A chance for us to go in there and kind of steal one on the road from uh, from those folks. And uh, this South Carolina team, let's take a little time to talk about them. You know, in, in recent years, any time that we saw them, we thought, you know what, we got a good chance here. We, we, we do. we got a good chance. We're home or away, we felt like it's a game we should win. I feel that way about this team, too, despite the fact that South Carolina is 12-1. and They are playing well. They won five games in a row. But uh, kind of, you know, taking a look here. Uh, they opened the year with a home win over USC. Upstate, you expect that. Nice win on a neutral court against Charlotte, 79-77 winners. They take down VMI, 74-64 out. Um, I guess before they went to Phoenix. And then they get DePaul, 73-68. Grand Canyon, 75-68. Notre Dame, in the ACC-SEC Challenge, they take them down by a dozen in Columbia. Uh, George Washington makes a trip to uh, Columbia, South Carolina, comes home with a loss, 89-67. The long loss for for uh, South Carolina this year came on the road against Clemson, 72-67 win there for the Tigers. They go to Green- Clemson, excuse me, South Carolina goes to ECU and wins by six. Charleston Southern, they get them by four, and then Winthrop by ten. They finally get a big blowout win over Elon, 70-43, and then they get Florida A&M, 94-62. And so, not a real challenging non-conference schedule. And if you look at a lot of these results, uh, they're, they're close ball games. Now, the, the flip side of that is, is they're used to playing in close ball games. They're not going to panic down a stretch. But they haven't had a ton of breathing room until as of late. Of course, a 10-point win over Winthrop, you know, you probably want something a little better than that. But a blowout of Elon and Florida A&M, I don't know what type of um, adversity they faced in recent weeks. And so that's going to be interesting. And uh, a team that plays defense the way that Mississippi State does, and again, I think Mississippi State is even better than their record indicates, as great as that is, because now you've got Tolu Smith back. Uh, and, and this will sound a little bit crazy, I guess. I'm, I'm expecting to win the ball game. I don't know how you guys feel. I think we're going to go in there and take care of business. Looking at a couple of sports books out there, State's a slight favorite on the road. And did you expect that? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like you look at this and say, you look at the records and say, well, you know, Steve, going on the road, facing a team that's only dropped one game this year. But, um, yeah, State now currently a point and a half favorite. I, I think State wins the game and covers. But of course, we're going we're gonna to need some things to go right. They're not going to just show up and give us the ball game. Uh, but looking a little deeper inside the numbers here uh, for South Carolina, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch them this year. I have not. You know, we're doing this on the fly right here. Uh, but I firmly believe with Chris Jans' defensive system and the effort in which he coaches with that Mississippi State, from an overall talent standpoint, should win this basketball game. That's how I feel. Uh, but, yeah, looking at the numbers here, uh, Michi Johnson leads, leads South Carolina averaging 17.7 points a game. B.J. Mack with 14 Miles Stute with 10.6. Uh, just beneath double figures is Talon Cooper 
uh, nine and a half points uh, per ball game. And uh, those four guys are regular starters along with Stephen Clark. Uh, Jacoby Wright has started one game in place of Michi Johnson. Uh, but by and large, it's been a pretty solid rotation of players here, it appears. Uh, Stephen Clark gives three and a half points a game uh, for him. But you know, playing some pretty significant minutes, though. Uh, but Michi Johnson, again, the straw that stirs the drink here. Uh, a guy that's kind of doing it all for him, too. You know, he, he's active on the glass, pulling down uh, 49 total rebounds, 39 of them on the defensive end. B.J. Mack with 66 leads the team. But a team, you know, when you look at scoring margin, points per game, 75 uh, and a half, I don't think they get to 75 against Mississippi State. Opponents are scoring just 63. I, I, honestly, I think if we win 65, score 65 points, got a good chance to win the ball game. Uh, as a team from the three-point line, they have been pretty good. 115 of 330 from beyond the arc, right at 35%. Uh, Michi Johnson, uh, among the best marksmen for them, 25 of 70. Miles Stu, 25 of 64. Uh, so four of their five starters you know, regularly in the rotation uh, taking shots from beyond the arc. So you know, we're going to have to defend the full parameters of the, uh, of the court here. But uh, look at these numbers, you know, Three-point field goal percentage, we discussed that already. Free throws, they're a decent free throw shooting team, right at 73.5%, uh, making just at 14 points a game. Rebounding, they're plus 5.5. And, and that's where I think with Jimmy Bell and, and uh, Tolu Smith, you know, maybe we can uh, reverse that trend for them. Again, again, they haven't played a ton of good teams. So we're going to go ahead and expect a win, you know, barring something unforeseen. We're going to expect a win and to get off on the right foot. Uh, this ball game will be broadcast by CBS. So if you're looking for it, it's 11 a.m. Mississippi State time, 12 p.m. South Carolina time. And if you live on the West Coast, you figure that out yourself. Uh, but, yeah, so CBS, a lot of, that's always a big question. Where can I watch the game? Going to be on CBS. Uh, and, and, again, a game we expect to win. And how significant would that be, you know, for, uh, for Coach Jans and those guys to get out of the gate strong here? Uh, you got Tennessee coming to the hump on Wednesday. You know what Rick Barnes is talking about. And Nate Oates in, in Alabama has been um, very much up and down this year. And then you've got the road trip to Kentucky. We talked about you know, if you could get a split here, you, you'd kind of be okay with it. But as we get a little deeper in this thing, you start thinking, hey, maybe we get off to a better start this year. But it could be a situation, hey, where you, you stumble out of the gate, but you get it going late. But you win this one against South Carolina, then things kind of tend to set up well for you once you get through this early quadrant of games. Uh, Tennessee is going to be a tough matchup for us. We're going to have to play exceptionally well, and we're going to need the home court advantage. We're going to need you guys to be there. I know it's a midweek game, but if you can get here for a 6 p.m. start, please do. And then Saturday, a game that's going to be also on the network, 7.30 tip on Saturday night, Alabama. That game is here. That's not the same team it was a year ago. We're going to expect to win that game. And then, of course, that trip to Kentucky. It's always tough to go into Rupp. That's going to be ESPN2. So if you if you can get two, you feel like, okay, we're on pace. You get three, you feel like you're ahead of the game. That's how I see it. Maybe you see it differently. Uh, I think probably of those games you look at, Tennessee and Kentucky, you're probably more likely to get the Tennessee game here. And that's where you guys can come and really be loud and make a difference in every aspect of that. Uh, that's an important part of all this. But uh, like you, I'm excited about basketball. It's fun again. You know, the hump is kind of new again, at least new-ish. You know, I'm not going to be critical of that, but uh, the hump has a new look. 
It's really nice what they've done in the club level. It really is. It's really nice. It's very, very fan-friendly. You kind of walk around and get your food and stuff like that, get down to your seat. Uh, it's pretty well organized up there, too. I had a chance to experience that, and I can tell you it's, uh, it's worth the investment, I think. I know many of you, you know, maybe have a hookup or whatever, but uh, as this team continues to win, those opportunities are going to be a little more difficult to come by, right? All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're looking to bring a large group to Starkville, look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. You can Google that. That'll pull up their Facebook page. You can peruse those pictures. You can see the amenities that are available to you at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. It's outstanding. It's the old clubhouse for the golf course. It's been completely renovated and turned into a residence that you can uh, rent when you're coming to town, rather than go get five hotel rooms, save a little money, go to Stark Vegas Clubhouse. We're going to save you a little more, too. If you book through the Evolve website, you can book through VRBO or Airbnb, and you're going to pay full price. But if you go to the Evolve website and use promo code BSR10, your good friend and host is going to save you 10% on your stay. How cool is that? Be sure and check them out. Uh, again, five bedrooms. It's amazing. And you can have everybody under one roof, whether it be a family event or a work event. Maybe you're bringing a crew to Starkville. I don't know your needs, but I know that we can give you a great place to stay that will give you the opportunity to buy some groceries and some adult beverages. You know how it is when you're in that hotel lobby and people are just kind of interloping on your conversation. You don't have to deal with that. You can just kind of keep your circle tight at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Be sure and check it out today and book through the Evolve website, promo code BSR10. All right, we've got some more visitors coming in. Some more developments, too. Uh, we were hoping to host uh, Jair Brown. He is now committed to LSU uh, out of Ohio State. Uh, wish him the best, certainly. Uh, you know, that, that's his deal, right? You got to do what you got to do, my man. And uh, that's all part of the deal. We uh, also, you know, we talked about uh, getting Coleman uh, from Louisville. We also had hoped to host Amari Huggins-Bruce. Uh, he's now committed to South Carolina, originally from South Carolina, so not a huge surprise there. Uh, and, and that's kind of part of the deal, right? It's just, you know, everybody wants to go home. Stone Blanton came home too, right? Jaden Vosen, we were hoping to host him this weekend, feel good about him. It does not appear that he's going to visit uh, this weekend. Not sure where he's headed, but it's interesting to note he's had three different visits to SEC schools uh, canceled. It makes me wonder if there's not a transfer issue you know, to transfer into the Southeastern Conference. Sometimes there are some more academic requirements. So some other names to be mindful of. Uh, Antoine Jackson from East Carolina, uh, hearing that he should be here today. Uh, we need a corner. Nakao Webb Walker confirmed to me that he's a native of Jamaica. He's going to be here. That's a, a rush in from New Mexico State. And Cliff Odom, of course, your new special teams coordinator, Coming to us from New Mexico State, so we do expect him uh, to be here. Uh, Micah Mazuka or Mescua, pardon me, uh, from the University of Florida. That that one's a little bit iffy. Not exactly sure. They, they, it's set up. I haven't confirmed with him, so we'll see how things go uh, there. But uh, it would be nice to take another offensive lineman, of course, uh, you know, a couple other options out there. Uh, Javaris Johnson from Auburn. Expected to be here today. And, of course, things change. You know, things are always changing with this. Uh, 
Marquise Robinson, originally from Wilkinson County, Mississippi, is now committed to Arkansas. He told me he was visiting Arkansas midweek and then was tentatively scheduled to come to Mississippi State. Does not appear that visit's going to take place now. Uh, really nice young man, but told me even in the interview that he, he really wanted to go out of state. Uh, we're going to try to catch up with Wayne Matthews, old Dominion linebacker transfer, but now with Stone committed, I wonder how many more linebackers we take. We'll, we'll see what he has to say. Uh, that'll be awfully interesting. And of course, uh, one of the more recent commitments, Brylon Lanier, uh, committed and then uh, began his official visit on Wednesday. And uh, we'll do our best to catch up with him today. I really like him. Wilkie Denod confirmed with me he's from Auburn, originally out of the state of Florida. He's expected to uh, visit Mississippi State today. Told me that uh, that would be the case. Roman Petrie from Purdue University, hoping to speak to him today. Not exactly sure where he's headed today. We'll do our best uh, to catch up with him. Finally got a phone number on him today. And then Jacoby Jackson confirmed he is a transfer offensive lineman from Texas Tech. Played offensive guard, has the ability to play right tackle from what I'm told. Visiting Mississippi State midweek, supposed to leave and then go to Baylor and then Texas A&M and then have an opportunity to make a decision. I'm not sure if he's visited A&M yet. I don't think that's happened. I hadn't confirmed that with him, but I know that the plan was to go to State and Baylor this week and then make a decision sometime next week. But that would be significant. And when you begin to look at the work that Cody Kennedy has done, it is very, very, very impressive. We talk about the offensive line, the wide receiver room. Offensive line's doing well, too. Running back Jalen Lucas uh, was a midweek visitor. We hope to catch up with him today, too. Of course, uh, Coach Tucker, uh, running backs coach at Indiana, made his way down here. Lucas, of course, also a native of New Orleans, Louisiana, so give him an opportunity to come back closer to home. And then, of course, uh, you know, Sonny Cam Ball. And uh, we hope to have uh, – we've been in contact with him today. Hope to have some reaction from him soon. But uh, that's kind of how things stand. And you don't ever rule out another visitor. It's like herding cats. I mean, it is. I mean, you just never know from one day to the next. I mean, it's like one day we've got, okay, six, seven confirmed visitors, and then it's, oh, it's 14, you know. Uh, so things change a lot. And there are guys that uh, are out there kind of making their way you know, they, the, the visits for portal prospects began on the third. So you've got some guys that maybe were set to come to Mississippi State this weekend that have already made their decisions. And so we'll work through that. But uh, talking about this offensive line thing, I, I, think it's almost, I think in some ways it's been overshadowed because of the amazing work that Chad Bumpus has done, right? I mean, Chad has done a phenomenal job. It's not some big surprise. But let's real quickly kind of work through the offensive lineman here. It's, uh, you know, so you got you three high school offensive linemen. Jimothy Lewis, who was a, an All-American, considered one of the top offensive tackle prospects in the country. Now, he was a Will Friend commitment, but Cody did a good job kind of keeping him in the boat. He talked about taking an official visit the last weekend before signing day. That did not materialize. He signed with State. Going to be good to go. He'll be here, uh, you know, next week. If he's not already, you know, to be he'll start classes soon. And then, of course, uh, T.J. Lockhart, a guy from just down the road at Winona. They don't allow early graduation there, uh, but we do expect him to be a factor in his career. Will be a guard for us. And then, of course, Luke Work, another All-American. So you begin to look at the high school ranks and say, okay, yes, we inherited these three guys. 
All-state guys, All-American type guys, uh, guys that have done a really good job for you. So you've got some young building blocks to work with, but while those guys are developing, you begin to work through these transfers here, right? Marlon Martinez from LSU. Uh, is he a starter for us? I don't know, but it's, a, it's nice to have some competition there. He was highly recruited out of high school, went to LSU, and primarily been a two-deeper, but he does have some starting experience under his belt. You look at McKaywin Pounders. I was a huge Pounders fan at a high school. Uh, love this guy as a young man. I think this is a guy that will do a tremendous job for us kind of moving forward. This is a guy you look at and say, okay, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And I think every official visitor you have, it's choosing between State and Little Miss, just let him host them, right? And there's Ethan Miner, of course, a transfer from North Texas that has done a phenomenal job. So offensive line recruiting, maybe not on the level of wide receiver, but very, very intriguing when you consider what State's lost. And uh, with Percy Lewis in the portal, uh, you got to get another one. Maybe that's Jacoby Jackson. I think in the end that may boil down to uh, to State and Texas A&M. You know, we'll see how things go. But um, absolutely phenomenal, man. I mean, it's like when you start working through this and you look at individual players and uh, you, you just forget about rankings and offer sheets. And you look at film and you start thinking, okay, are our needs being met? And I would say yes. I did have a chance earlier this week to check, catch, catch up with Zach Haynes, Perner from New Mexico State, of course, coming to follow Cliff Odom here. Um, I got it 6'1", 195 pounds, had three punts over 50 yards this year. Uh, his net punting average, not much better than ours, but his depth of kick is. And so you want to add some competition, and I think we can all agree that the punting this year for Mississippi State left a lot to be desired. So it makes sense for us to go get this guy. But, uh, again, with the addition of Stone Blanton, now 13 transfers uh, in the class, and uh, we needed that to happen. And we talk about, you know, Stone. You guys know my feelings about this. But you add Stone, you add Marcus Ross, you add Brandon Jennings, and you start thinking, okay, yeah, these guys are not Bookie Watson and Jet Johnson. But you look at the production they've had throughout their careers, and you feel like we've got some building blocks to work with here. And the fact, too, that, uh, you know, for Stone, this is his one-time transfer exception, right? So unless the rules change again, and we never ruled that out, we, we fully expect Stone to be here. And as he told our Rion Young earlier, that you can read that story for free on Gene's page, it's a chance to come home, be back closer to home. And, and that's a big factor in so many of these portal decisions. I mean, like, you look at Robinson, Marquise Robinson, that commits to Arkansas. He goes, you know, hey, I've always kind of been down here I'm not a guy that has to stay close to home. I appreciate the honesty and earnestly, earnesty, right? Uh, but he's kind of moved on. And so we're seeing some guys out there uh, with some ties to Mississippi and ties to the South that are likely to come home. I mean, you saw it with Jordan Mosley. You know, when he, he was committed to Tennessee, they made the coaching change, uh, opened things back up, wound up at Northwestern, way up there in Evanston, Illinois, decided to come back. And even though he had maybe had the impact many people expected – that is a big part of this. In the beginning, kids will tell you, I'm going to go anywhere. Doesn't matter for a high school, junior, or whatever. I'll go anywhere for the opportunity. And then once they have that, it's like, you know, I think I'd like to be a little bit closer to home and have the opportunity for my friends and family to be a part of this experience. And so uh, that's a part of it. And, again, you run through some of these names that we've talked about visiting. These are guys like you know, guys from New Orleans that have gone, you know, to Purdue. You know, guys, you know, from the south. Uh, you, you look at even – Byron Lanier, right? 
went up to Indiana, wanted to get closer to home, uh, ends up at, uh, at Scuba. He's from Tuscaloosa. You know, so there, there is always that riding factor of being closer to home. That's important to understand. I mean, think about how you are. I mean, listen, I grew up in Mississippi, right? And I spent, you know, 16 years in, in uh, Baton Rouge and spent some time in Lafayette and Natchitoches. And in the back of my mind, I always thought about coming home, you know, back to Mississippi. And while I'm in North Mississippi now, I grew up in South Mississippi, and I, I wear that like a badge of honor. There's just something that's said about being, you know, back in familiar territory. You know, I, I'm – only a couple hours away from, you know, some people that very important to me. You know, I got, I've got, you know, four sisters there in and around the Canton, Mississippi area. And so when they need me or I need them, I can get in the car and go see them. And there, there's something to that. There's something about family. Now, some guys, I, mean, I remember LaMichael James. And uh, the illustrious hind dog and I called him El Mike. And um, LaMichael James, and we're talking to him, talking to his sister, and probably would have been a good thing for him to come to Mississippi State. But he worked out well for him at Oregon. But this is a young guy here that uh, stayed at his grandmother's house, did not have electricity. He wanted to get as far away from that as he could. He wanted a new lease on life, and he went to Oregon. And there are a lot of young people that feel that way. Uh, But by and large, people want to be close to their home base. But there are some people out there that don't have a good experience. It's like, I want to reinvent myself and go somewhere else. And, you know, that's part of life and self-discovery. But... um, Again, we're excited about the weekend. We do expect some more commitments. But uh, as far as me telling you right now who I think they're going to be, I don't know that I can tell you that until we have a chance to talk to them. If you haven't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com and you can order the new book. It's uh, doing exceptionally well. Eager to see where it is on the bestseller list this week. And um, there was a time in my life, as I share with you guys before, I had this crippling fear that I'd never write books. And I'm now working on number seven. Uh, Once we get through the portal recruiting process, we'll kind of get on that uh, a little more full-time here. Of course, we'll still run Gene's page and all the things that go along with it. But uh, the schedule, as far as coverage goes, will afford me a little more time to do that. I had the opportunity yesterday to uh, uh, to meet with some folks in Brandon for a, uh, a recovery podcast, uh, the Unashamed Recovery Podcast. That's going to air February the 19th. Uh, I don't know their schedule, but uh, they kind of batch these things together and edit them up. There'll be video, audio, all that kind of stuff. It was a great experience. I mean, it really was. And uh, it was a busy day for us as, you know, had to hustle down there, then get to the funeral, and then back up to uh, uh, to watch the Swamp People uh, series, our season debut uh, with our friends. But when you have the opportunity to talk about things that really matter, I mean, I spend so much time talking about so much. It's entertainment, right? Uh, it's very special to me to be able to do that. And uh, I'll be down in central Mississippi on Sunday uh, doing a recovery podcast with the Recovery Lab. And I go back the next week uh, for another deal. And so a lot of recovery stuff these days, and uh, a lot of it's just kind of promotion of the book and things like that, but these people reach out to me. Uh, so I, I share that with you because there are some people, of course, that follow me for the Mississippi State stuff, but you know, maybe you care about the other stuff too. And so I want to make sure that you're aware of that. Uh, I don't have any book signings scheduled right now, and a lot of that is going to be kind of pick and choose uh, in the new year because, uh, you know, we've got baseball coming up here in about six weeks and uh, I'm going to be really working hard on the new book, but we'll take some time. We'll do some book signings here and, here and around a little bit. i uh, got some other bookstores out there that need to get stocked and uh, our publisher will take care of all that. But, um, you know, you just never know from one day to the next, right? I mean, it's like you have these aspirations and dreams and you think, okay, I want to do this. 
and then you do it, and it's like, okay, what's next? As I've shared with you guys many times before, I'm the kind of person that likes to have something to look forward to. Uh, so I want that for you too. And, uh, you know, our True Rest location, uh, we're getting very, very close now to getting the build-out done, and then they'll, they'll deliver pods here in about two weeks. Signage goes up like two to three weeks, and then we, we'll do a soft opening. Uh, we hope to be open in January, but it may actually be closer to February 1st. And, and please follow us on Facebook at True Rest Starkville. Uh, and we're going to run this like a mom and pop, too. This isn't going to be one of these things where I just kind of put some money up and let other people run it. Uh, it's very important to us. And, um, and one of the things, too, like that oxygen bar, you ever done that? I had never done it before, you know. Uh, but uh, it's pretty pretty amazing to be able to do that. So uh, come be a part of that. And, again, you can um, visit True Rest Starkville on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Uh, Dana handles all that sort of stuff. But uh, it's, it's going to be a busy stretch, and it always is. Is, is the wife always says, you know, it's never boring with you, and it, it never is. And, and she contributes to a lot of that stuff too. But uh, you know, my point being is that um, we're going to get a little bit of a break when it comes to football stuff. Uh, you know, we'll have junior days coming up pretty soon too, and there'll be new offers going out for the 2025 class. There's already some new offers out there. Uh, they'll start hosting some kids on campus. That's an important part of all of this. I don't know how Labby and those guys are going to handle junior days. You know, the Leach contingent, rather than have some big cattle call uh, junior day, and I don't know if those things even happen anymore, they just kind of pick and choose, like, hey, hey, let's get, you know, a smaller group in here where we can, you know, kind of lay hands on them and spend some time and kind of sell Mississippi State. And so they would do a ton of these unofficial visits. But uh, I'm not exactly sure how Lovey's going to do it. You know, it used to be the big thing, right? You'd have junior day, and everybody would brag, oh, we had 300 kids and 400 kids and 10,000 kids, and, and you know, 99% of them couldn't play you know, in, the, in the Southeastern Conference. But it became this ego thing. You know, it's like, hey, well, they had 200 kids. We had 300 kids. You know, more kids want to come here and play for us. And uh, a lot of it is just you know, these are young men you know, looking for an opportunity. And more times than not, you know, the guys you know don't need a junior day. You know, the guys that you know that you want don't need a junior day, but you want them on campus, you have a chance uh, you know, to, to have a relationship with them. And so I'm curious to see how Labino's guys are going to handle that. You know, they are still nose to the grindstone. That's the thing I think about with, with uh, Coach Lebby and the staff. Outside of the Christmas break, they haven't had a break since the moment that they got here. They have been absolutely on the grind trying to find you guys football players. And this transfer portal thing, is become more demanding than ever. And it's only been around five years. But, you know, people talk about it it's such a cash cow for networks like ours, and it certainly is. But it's really the environment that college coaches are having to, um, to operate in now is unlike any in history. And you, you look at Jeff Labbig, and he's not unique in any respect when it comes to this. But uh, when you're a new coach going into a new culture, and you're moving your family, and you know there's so many things through this. You got to fill out a staff, and then in the middle of all of that, you got to identify the needs on your roster. Then you got to go out and identify prospects that can fill those needs. And so it has been absolutely chaos in many respects, kind of you know organized chaos. But you understand what I'm saying? It's like they have not had a chance to check up since they got here. Period, and that's important to understand. So I'm sure you know once we get finalized here in a couple weeks get through the drop ad date 
those guys can kind of begin to settle in, you know, kind of buy some furniture, you know, get the, get the family moved in, get everybody situated, get them in school. There is so much to this, and um, the demands are never ending. You know, we haven't had an opportunity to sit down and speak to uh, your assistant coaches yet. I'm sure that'll happen, you know, once we kind of get settled and everybody reports and we uh, kind of know who's who and what's what. Uh, but it's one of those deals, you know, you guys want to get to know your coaches. And I know the university has done some things, but it's just a different dynamic when it's the regular media, right? Uh, because, you know, we can ask some questions perhaps the university can't. That's not being critical of anybody. But, you know, the, the media that's on campus that's paid for by the university, of course, that, that's basically marketing, right? Uh, so we look forward to, to sitting down with them and learning a little more about them and, and kind of introducing them to you in many respects uh, here in the weeks to come. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a much different dynamic for us, too, you know, because you've got all these new coaches coming in, and every single day there's a new player getting offered, there's a new guy that's going to visit that he's not going to visit, and then he's scheduled to visit and cancels the visit. I mean, there's, there's so many things that happen. It's like, hey, I'm going to wait two weeks, I'm going to decide today. It's, uh, it's difficult to keep up with. I mean, it really is, and uh, especially when you, when you have to take a day or two to deal with some family stuff. But, uh, but we're going to do our best, and uh, – it provides you the best coverage, and, and I want to thank you guys, too. Uh, I shared this over at Gene's page the other day. We had a record December, and that wrapped up a record year for Gene's page. Uh, matter of fact, the last quarter of 2023, the most successful quarter we've ever had, ever, at jeanspage.com. And when the numbers come rolling in, all of a sudden, I always know the numbers are good because I start getting text messages from people at 247 Sports. It's like, hey, Steve, just saw the numbers, even before I've seen them. Like, hey, really, really, really solid month last, last month. You guys are doing a great job, you know. And it's nice to get that. It's right, right. I mean, you think to yourself, just send me the check, right? Uh, but it's nice to get affirmation from people because, you know, when Gene retired, I'll be honest with you, you know, it's like before I was just like the guy, right? I would just go write articles. I never had to deal with the customer service aspect of things. Uh, you know, people lose their password or there's, you know, there's a problem, uh, with private browsing, there's always something. There's things that I didn't have to deal with. And now I'm having to do all of that and produce content and then kind of manage everybody else because Gene really kind of managed through autonomy. He's going, like, you know, hey, you guys are self-motivated. Go knock it out. I- I'm a little more competitive, uh, so we have a little more of a structure. And I- I'm probably a little more of a, of a jerk at times than Gene. Uh, I-, I own that, you know, because I am so competitive. And there sometimes – if I don't think the guys are putting out, I'll let them know. Hey, we needed to get this done. We need more content. Need this. Need that. Uh, because we want to do a great job in our era. But um, I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am for all of you uh, that have contributed to jeanspage.com, whether you be a message board poster or just a subscriber that reads, or maybe you're just a freebie and say, you know what, Steve, I haven't been convinced yet that I need to subscribe, but I read the free content. And we do a ton of that. We share it on social media. And uh, I appreciate everybody that's ever – clicked the link or read a story or made a post and uh, we don't always agree and that's okay I don't take that stuff personally uh, sometimes people intend it personally and even then I don't take it personally and there are other times that people don't intend it personally maybe I do but uh, it's pretty rare that I do but um, I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of our team and how grateful I am to all of you uh, for the year that we've had and of course it's a brand new year so you can't rest on last year's accomplishments uh, you got to get rolling and kind of make some things happen. And uh, and so that's where the portal thing kind of helps us because there's so much interest in the portal. And that kind of carries us. And now it's SEC basketball. And, and uh, Justin's on his way to South Carolina right now. 
uh, to go cover the, uh, the SEC opener uh, for the Bulldogs. And so, you know, we're always trying to add and do different things than maybe we've done in the past because we, we don't want to just be seen as a fan side. I know some other people kind of see us as that way. Um, I give Mike Nemeth a lot of credit. When Mike came aboard, that's one of the things that we talked about. He goes, you know, hey, we shouldn't just defer to the print media to report these things. There are things that we know that we put on a message board and say, hey, look for this to happen. He goes, let's just write an article. You know, rather than let them, you know, take our information and get the engagement, let's do it ourselves. So we really transformed in many respects, and I have so much respect for Mike. You know, Mike, of course, ran media relations at Mississippi State, man, for, you know, 30 years or so. Uh, and so Mike, I think, has made me a better writer. I think Mike has made me a better leader in many respects because I understand kind of the other side of this through the media relations side I didn't know before. You know, before it would be like, hey, we reported this, and then somebody else gets credit for it, you know. And Mike has really pushed us to kind of evolve me more than just a, a fan site. And uh, you people have responded. Now, I always believe, too, that you'd rather hear bad news from us anyway. In the past, you know, when I, every time Gene would just say, oh, well, just let the ledger have that. You know, I just never felt like if we have it, we know it, why don't we report it? I think we've got an obligation to you anyway, rather than just sit on a story like that and let somebody else have it. I just, you know, my whole attitude about that is that, yeah, there's enough news to go around, but we want to report it first as much as we can. Uh, sometimes we get beat on things, but and we take it personally. I'm really hard on myself and uh, hard on some of the people around me, but harder on myself more than anybody else because I just can't do it all. You know, and I, I wish that I could. Uh, I, I probably could if I didn't care about being married or being a father or, or having a life. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that uh, I do want those things. And we've got a great team and uh, look forward to seeing what this group can do with a full year under their belt. And uh, again, I'm very grateful to everybody that has shared the path with us for a while. There's so much of that too. There's so many people that you know, they want drama and things like that, you know, and, and I just, I, I don't really want that. Now, if somebody does something stupid, I don't mind saying it's stupid, right? Uh, and, and I get the same courtesy, right? And, and that's, that's life. But uh, we have had some very talented individuals that have worked with us uh, and for us over the years. And uh, everybody that has helped make this what it is has played a part in that. And uh, I'm very, very appreciative uh, for their efforts. And uh, for those of that are no longer with us, wish them the best. Of course, not at our, our, our expense. But, uh, yeah, we, I, I just don't live with those grudges. I know some other people may, but I, I don't. I, I just don't live with those grudges. And I, I, I'm just very appreciative uh, the time that people were with us, the contributions they made to our organization, and uh, have no ill will in my heart uh, towards any of those folks. And so I hope that you can say the same. I do. Because life is too short and death is too certain to live with bitter and resentment. Uh, there, there are things that happen sometimes that get me motivated and I get really aggravated and I said, I'll show them. You know, uh, that's just life in general. I've always kind of been built that way. But uh, it's so much easier when you can just say, you know what? Not everything is personal. You know, some things are professional. That's how you have to look at it. And so, again, very, very appreciative uh, to everybody that has shared the path with us, whether you be a contributor, a writer, uh, you know, a, a poster, anybody that's been a part of this, man. I, I'm so incredibly grateful uh, for you, for what you've done for us and for yourself. And I hope that uh, you enjoyed your time with us. And, uh, you know, that's life, right? I mean, some people are just with you for a season, and that's just kind of how things go. But, uh, again, I know about no harbor – harbor no ill will in my heart uh, towards anybody. That's going to do it for today, man. I'll be back on Monday. You folks have a great weekend. I mean, great. And, and maybe a great weekend is just getting under the blanket and cranking up the fire watching some college basketball all weekend. That'd be great. And uh, get on your phone, check in with us over at jeanspage.com. We'll keep you abreast of what's going on with your visitors. 
But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.